0: Hey everybody, this is Alan Fine, and I'm here with Seema Prakash, who is a tour guide, and what else?
1: The founder of Seema Dresden.
0: And so she's been taking me around Dresden, and we're wanting to present to you uh, what you can be presenting to your clients, and why to come here, here on Insider Travel Report. Thank you for talking to us.
1: Mm-hmm. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. So uh,
0: let's talk, first of all, in general, how do, you, h- how do you get to Dresden and why Dresden?
1: You can get to Dresden very easily. It's approachable. You can get here from Berlin, by, from Prague. You can fly directly uh, into Frankfurt and then Dresden. It's an international airport. It's very well connected with trains as well. Why Dresden? It is simply, it is a gorgeous city. And it's a city that, you know, you step 10 minutes out of it and you're in the vineyards and you have mountain ranges, a beautiful river, like you can see in the background. And it is scenic and cultural. It's perfect.
0: Okay, so we're gonna talk about why we're here on the river as we get to it, because it's the finale, so to speak. But I started my day uh, walking out and, uh, from my hotel and seeing this, this big thing sticking up in the middle of the street. Tell us about that, please.
1: It's, uh, it's, you're talking about the stone just behind the Frauenkirche, the Church of Our Lady. And uh, it's a stone that reminds us that the Frauenkirche was a rubble for almost 40 years, 45 years, actually. And uh, when they began, so when it, when it fell on the night of the, uh, on the, when the bombing of the 13th February happened, it fell on the 15th, it just stayed as a pile of rubble all the way up to 1990. And when they began to reconstruct it, uh, they, the people of Dresden, the entire generation that grew up with this uh, the ch- rubble as their church, uh, protested against it. They wanted it to be remi- a reminder to stay. So they decided to leave one stone out, and so they looked for this stone that belongs. To, you can see the gap in the dome where it actually belongs to, and uh, it couldn't have been put back there because it was too weak and had fallen this great height. So they decided to leave this one out because it has a signature from the architect who had actually repaired the dome uh, in the early 1920s or mid 1920s so it's uh, almost like a historical witness of the fact that there were cracks in the dome they were repaired and then it fell to bombing so much time later
0: and tell us more about the church and the and the, and, the, and the that plaza right there
1: Okay, so the church and the plaza around it. The plaza is called the Neumarkt, the New Market Square. And this is really the place where it's all come together. So the entire rebuilding of Dresden is now focused on this one square. Uh, and it is supposed to represent the way Dresden has developed and evolved over these 800 years. So there are buildings that look baroque, there are buildings that look uh, classical uh, or renaissance, there are also modern buildings because after all it's a modern city as well. And so this is really, you you stand in the Neumarkt and you look around and you see all shades of Dresden in the last 800 years. Uh,
0: Then we walked around and I saw a statue from behind and I said uh, Martin Luther. And I was right. <laughs> 90 times out of 10, 90 times out of 10, I mean, it's Martin Luther.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to look like a statue in Washington, D.C., apparently. It, it kind of does. Yeah, it's supposed to look like that. So there, there's a similarity between the two. And of course, he's very recognizable. He's knocking on his Bible, telling you to read it because that's what you have to believe. Yes, he's there. We
0: tell us about this square.
1: So this is also Neumarkt, the new market square. And all of this that you see is all new construction. They started, this was all cleared away after the war because this was completely de- um, devastated by fire. And then uh, there was a archeological dig that took place there in the last uh, 15 years
0: and 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 new market by the way it, it, it's ju- not just because it's new it was new in the 1800s and then it's new again but it, they kept the name
1: yes it was new as compared to the old market square which goes back to 1100 right. and this was from 1500s and it's, it's right, new right right right. <laughs> right so it is but it is now new because it's got all of these Get- the the buildings right. that you see the ones that are, the even the buildings mm-hmm. behind the trees there as late as before the pandemic. They were the last, the buildings to build there. They only started rebuilding this 2007 onwards, except for one building that you see, the Johannium with the staircase, that was there as a picture gallery.
0: So um, we're on a river, in fact, this river, and uh, there are stairs, uh, multiple stairs leading up to it. Let's talk about this one, please.
1: So these stairs are going up to the Bruhl's Terrace, named after the Count Bruhl who was the minister of the ruler of Saxony. And just under your feet, when you're on top of the terrace, you're almost 14 meters in height above and on the top of the old fortifications. And uh, Bruhl had here on on this piece of terrace, he had his own palace, his own landscaped gardens, his private library and his picture collection.
0: So when you reach the top, though, um, you now have a, a vantage point looking back at different buildings.
1: <coughs> what you see here are uh, the domes. The, you see the two domes, the stone dome of the Frauenkirche that goes back to about 1700s. And then you have the glass dome, uh, which, is, um, which, is, which was made much later, in the late 19th century. And when it was made, the people of Dresden hated it. Because they are used to these stone structures and what is this newfangled thing and they were so scornful about it, they called it a lemon squeezer, saying it looks like a lemon squeezer. Yeah. Now, of course, the, ner- now the, t- the name lemon squeezer is named fondly in saying that's a lemon squeezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? And there is the goddess of fame on top of it. She's blowing her trumpet, telling the world about the talent of the students who study under her roof and she's also holding a laurel wreath to say that they're all, she's sending them out and they're all winning, they're all victory. They have facing victory. And
0: as we look across the water, I see a Ferris wheel.
1: Oh, that's horrible. It's such an eyesore. I Who would have thought of putting that thing up? And at night it has this neon light and it glows. It looks really terrible.
0: So as we're walking, we came up to this uh, a bit of a statue.
1: So it's a bronze sculpture. <clears throat> was made in about uh, 19, just, just before the reunification, so 1988 approximately. And it shows the world. It's supposed to be the world and the planets. If you look closely, you see the globe, you see a, a, a world which is kind of always being kind of reborn. So it's being destroyed, it's being reborn. And if you look at the ground where the cobblestones are, you see a ring with these um, circles. So those are the planets. Oh, it's the Earth and the planets, and those seven planets were named after the fortifications on the on the on the on the fortifications. So <clears throat> in the fortifications, we had these bastions, which were named after the planets. And Augustus Strong, who we've heard of a lot, he gave them um, he gave them a witty line. So with every planet, he came up with a line, a wit. Like, for example, the planet Venus, he claims, there's it it's written there, it says, love rules without having any rules. Love rules without rules. That's the that's the he has for Venus. Or he has something for uh, for the sun, for example. The sun and the moon, by the way, were considered to be planets as well at that time. 1721. So for the moon, he has something like also the sun, he has something like um, I am effective without having to speak us single word.
0: <clears throat> As we kept walking we were hearing the bells from the church, and It's the Catholic Church?
1: That's the Catholic Church, the Catholic Cathedral actually made in about in made in the middle of the 18th century. It's uh, from the outside it's a baroque church because it was started by an Italian architect called Chiaveri who was specially called in from Florence to make the church but by the time it kind of the, the project proceeded the architects of Dresden wanted a neoclassical church. <coughs> but Chiaveri was, willing to, was not willing to give up his vision of a Catholic cathedral and a Baroque cathedral, so they made life so difficult for him. Mm-hmm. It says they plied his workmen with wine, so they basically became incapable of doing any work, and then he, sent, he went back to Florence, leaving them to finish it. So if you look closely at the interior, it's completely plain and white, and that's because it's a neoclassical in the end of its life.
0: Uh, adjoining buildings, There's one, this is the one across?
1: The one across is uh, is the second Saxon Parliament, and it now functions as a courthouse. Uh, the big gateway that you see into Dresden that's is uh, the Georgentor, and it was uh, created in this plaza to welcome visitors in so they would have come through the river they would have been welcomed there if you look closely at the architecture of that uh, of that doorway you see there are watchmen on the top keeping an eye you know keep looking out into the distance and they are agronaut shaped uh, or formed warriors at the bottom with their hands on their swords
0: and this is when you come in
1: this is the stable yard this is where all the jousting happened you can see the jousting lanes in the far distance is where the stables were and the arcades to the left very very italian uh, is where the spectators would have sat there was they had been stands made there and in this in this particular stall a lot of tournaments have taken place and their uh, their armor is still in the royal palace
0: um, this is they uncovered inside these stairs
1: in the very beginning the royal palace was just a Romanesque keep to keep the bridge safe because the first money coming into Dresden was from the bridge. So this was a, a small fortress made to make the, keep the bridge safe and that's what they've uncovered. They've uncovered the stairways from that. And these stones, you can see the burning, how the, uh, the fire of Dresden has affected the stones. This is the courtyard, the large courtyard of the royal palace covered in what is called this graffito technique. Its graffito comes from the Italians "graffare" to scratch, and if you look closely at this, or you can look up, you can look up on the internet and see, you know, zoom into the details of this graffito painting, you'll see that it's plastered in grey, painted in white, and then the white has scratches on it, to make and the grey comes through. Yes, and that creates—it's almost like you take a pencil and you and shade. Uh, this is you scratch it away, and that creates an illusion of light on the top bottom is is gray and shaded and that that looks like cut stones when it's not Mm -hmm. but this is really it's extraordinary the amount of scraffito in Dresden is unprecedented you see it in many cities but never on the scale
0: Mm -hmm. completely surrounding you
1: Mm mmm absolutely and in the middle there's fresco the painted bit is fresco Uh,
0: now when we came inside there's a there's a um, I guess an area where you're getting your tickets that's completely climate controlled
1: yeah it's, uh, it's, gla- it's uh, not glass but it's kind of a plastic and it was put in by the architect Peter Kulka who was responsible for recreating, you know, he had this, this shabble, he had this rubble to create into something beautiful and he decided to reveal all the parts of the old palace but also create something new and that created a courtyard for the tickets and events, the uh, first events of the royal palace took place in that courtyard. It opens up for ventilation. Mm-hmm.
0: So then I, I went in and I toured some of the artifacts. Mm-hmm.
1: The artifacts in Dresden in the Dresden collection are absolutely world class. <clears throat> they were collected with such, uh, what can I say, such passion for collection. Uh, goldsmiths were given commissions. So if there's a clock, for example, you just saw the spiral, the, you know, the spiral wall clock, uh, the ball clock, the crystal ball clock, uh, that was commissioned in Augsburg which is like the capital of European clock making. If you see a cabinet which is so beautiful, it's commissioned in Nuremberg, which is the capital of European goldsmithing. So everything here is made of precious, it's made of gold and silver, rubies and diamonds and sapphires and ivory and it's never been used. That's the other specialty. If it looks like a looks like a basin, you would want to wash it you know, a like basin and a ewer or a goblet, it's never used. It was, it was made as such but only for show. So ivory is not gold uh, or silver, but it is very, very precious. And uh, if you make a mistake in gold and silver, you can always melt it down and make it again. But if you make a mistake with ivory, it's gone, it's finished. And so ivory makers or ivory turners were very, very uh, considered to be real big artists. And the ones that the objects that you see here, uh, each one of them has an initial on it. So the ivory uh, turner, the person, the master craftsman who worked with Ivory, could actually put his initials on it, which was not seen anywhere. I mean, even painters had not started putting their initials on paintings at that time.
0: Tell us about this cherry pit.
1: So the cherry pits are have, they're in the micro cabinet. And if you look closely, there are faces on them and there are logos on them. So there's one cherry pit with 185 faces on it. This is really minute work. Mm-hmm. Or the coat of arms. This is made of ivory. It's it is, uh, it is it's made as a sculpture at the bottom and it's turned on the top and look at the sails. They are so, f- they're so thin, they look like silk and they're actually made of ivory. And you see names of the family. So this is a family tree on the hull of the ship. And the names wrap themselves around the, to the other side as well. And the family can trace its lineage back all the way to before Christ. This... Yeah, it's a big pearl and it's misshapen and Augustus Strong had put together an entire collection of sculptures around misshapen pearls. These pearls are called Barococo because they're misshapen and the, the, the work of the artist is to look at the shape of the pearl and understand what figure can he make around it that makes it look like the pearl was actually cut for the figure oh, okay. and it's great artistry. Yeah.
0: This, was a, this was a service that was never used?
1: coffee service so this is a coffee service and uh, it is, uh, and all the little bottles you see around it are uh, to add things to the coffee like rose water or other kinds of essences. And uh, this was, of course, now not, not how the Turkish drank their coffee. So this was made by the artist Dinglinger for Augustus Strong to impress the, no- the nobility in Poland when he wanted to apply to be the king of Poland. And they would have never seen anything like this. This is absolutely avant-garde. And these cups, they look like porcelain, but they're actually gold. Made to look like porcelain, it hadn't been invented till then in, in Dresden. This is one of the mo- This is like the creme de la creme of the uh, the collection in of Dresden. It's called the Court of the Great Mughal Aurangzeb uh, of the Mughal Emperor Aurangzeb on his birthday in New Delhi. Uh, he was a contemporary of Augustus Strong, and travelers had written about the magnificence of his birthday celebrations. So this is made from a travelogue of a gem merchant who was in India at that time. And you can see him sitting on his throne, on the peacock throne, and with the Kohinoor diamond behind him, uh, which is now in the crown jewels in England. And all of the Nawabs coming with their gifts to pay homage to him. It's uh, every figure is movable, and uh, the entire thing sits on a on a wooden uh, surface which is gold plated. The largest green diamond in the world. This is 41 carats. It took 16 years to cut it. There was a um, there was a diamond cutter in London who worked on it 16 years, and it's surrounded by another 400 or so diamonds. Each one of them a pr- absolutely perfect diamond. These came from India, but they came uh, legally. They came through a trade route, were bought by the family, turned into um, a medal, and turned into an order. Then turned in, now it's a hat, a brim kind of a. a, a, a for the hat brim. It's because of radioactivity. It turned green because of radioactivity in the ground uh, where it was developing. August is Strong, That's how he must have looked on his coronation in Warsaw. Uh, He was a giant of a man. You would look at him and say how short he is. He was a giant of a man. He was all of 5 feet 8 inches. And uh, by the end of his life, he weighed 120 kilos, about 250 pounds. And he was so strong, they say he could take an iron bar and bend it with his hands into a horseshoe and once broke open a horseshoe, of course, and then left a note there saying that I am so strong that I broke this on so-and-so date. Right. And so
0: I heard that they may have made the horseshoe with a little soft area that uh, the different material hidden
1: of course it was doctored and it was then done to a room full of courtiers and all the women they loved August the swooned swooned of course they thought he was the cat's whiskers and of course that's why they say he had 365 children illegitimate children one for every day of the year this is the audience room of August the Strong now he was the king in poland so this could not be the throne room but he this in dressed in this was his audience room and this is the most uh, sumptuous of all of the rooms there is a series of rooms each more sumptuous than the one before that and it culminates here in the bed chamber and the audience room they reconstructed this from scratch basically or should i say a few threads of brocade a little bit of inventory and they've searched through all of europe to find places that could uh, Re-weave the same kind of velvet and the same upholstery, and have then put it together. The clothes of the of the family have also been kept as an heirloom. You have these are Augustus Strong's clothes, but you also have clothes that go back to 1580s. Uh, wedding clothes, other clothes worn in great occasions—they've all been kept as an heirloom. So these are real clothes. Uh, Augustus Strong was a great admirer of Turkish culture. And he even dressed up as a Turkish sultan. When his uh, when his son got married, he received his daughter-in-law who ca- who came from Pilnitz in a gondola that like a, looked like a, tr- a Triton gondola on the banks of the River Elbe, sitting under this tent, dressed as a t- sultan. So
0: he he, he these tents <coughs> were very large and expensive, and he had lots of them.
1: He has lots of these tents, and each these are all handmade. So, if you look at what you have, that silk and silk thread embroidery. So, this is extraordinarily delicate work, and he had a lot. He had he's really got the largest uh, collection of Ottoman objects outside of Turkey itself.
0: And Then we got to the room that the kids love the most.
1: <laughs> the yeah, the Hall of Giants, as it's called. Uh, this is uh, this is the the armor worn by. Uh, this is real armor by the way it's not like it's been put together this is worn in the tournaments you can look you can see uh, the scratches and uh, that too proves it's a real thing and this is to show what the kind of ornaments would have tournaments this is to show what kind of tournaments would have happened in the royal stables and the Remember along the, uh, the gallery we saw with the, with the Italian arcade, uh, with the stables, it would have, all of these would have been held there and in the old market square. The ballroom, this is a small ballroom. There's a l- larger one that's being made. This is the one of the only rooms that doesn't go back uh, to the way the castle would have looked like in 1709. Uh, this goes back to the 19th century. It was made by a student of Semper, and it's a lot more... Um, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not Baroque any longer, but it's a l- more than that.
0: Let's talk about his mistresses. He had many mistresses.
1: He supposedly had hundred mistresses. It is is a number that's rounded off, so you should never believe rounded off figures. But it is. he had five official mistresses. And the children he had with these official mistresses, he gave them his name. So they were considered to be of royal blood. But there was only one mistress who had a palace made for her. And she was the Countess Anna Constanzia. This is her palace. She lived here in uh, the Taschenberg Palais. And uh, she had a letter, a promise from him, that he would marry her as soon as he was free to marry things went downhill seven years later she was locked away in a tower from the age of 33 to the age of 82. Now uh, travel
0: advisors will know this building because it is in renovation and it's the Kapinski Dresden and it also was uh, honored by having uh, President Obama visit it.
1: Yes, Uh, President Obama was here and uh, I think so was the president of Malta at one point. Mm -hmm. Uh, the bells. So uh,
0: Augustus Strong had this giant party area.
1: <laughs> he had the old fortification area was turned into a party area. Who needs fort- battle fortifications? I need a place for parties. And he wants he wanted in that place his wealth and his power to be completely demonstrated, uh, visually and also auditory, which is why he had the bells. The porcelain bells are made because then you can hear the wealth of the ruler. So that's what we see
0: uh, by the, the clock there. The clock
1: there, yeah. yeah but it, it was
0: under such, so much construction, I didn't take pictures of it, because it, it's gonna be beautiful though.
1: Mm, it will be beautiful. The opera house, uh, it's nicknamed the Semper Opera. It was started its life as a theater house, which is why on the top of it, you have the Greek God Dionysius, who is the God, not just of wine, but also of ancient Greek theater. And uh, this building was reconstructed. It was also, it was uh, destroyed during the bombing of Dresden and was reconstructed and reopened in
0: 1985. Um, there's this mural that, go- that uh, traces all of the rulers?
1: Yes, this is called the Procession of Princes. And it shows you the rulers of Saxony from the time of its founding in 1100s to the time that they were, they were still in power, uh, just before the First World War. If uh, All the horsemen are rulers, under them are their names, and the time of their rule. This is made of tiles of porcelain. There are uh, 24,000 tiles of mice and porcelain, and each one has a little bit of the painting painted on it. So it's not like somebody made a wall and then came with a brush and painted it. Every piece has its own little place in that, and it flows f- f- seamlessly into the other. This one was not destroyed in the bombing. It's the only wall that did not fall a victim to the bombing because it is porcelain, it's glazed and fired at very high temperature and so withstood the firestorm of Dresden.
0: Now we come to the reason that we're sitting on this boat. So we we set off on the Elbe River and uh, let's talk about our trip.
1: Uh, The Elbe is beautiful, isn't it? Uh, Yes, so we took the trip from Dresden to Pilnitz and then back and you see the red building you see here You see this as soon as you leave Dresden. Uh, That's the place where the minister of Saxony has his offices and uh, to the left of that is the finance ministry and uh, The steps in front of it is a large open-air cinema or theater for the youngsters of Dresden. They can come here and watch a movie every day. You
0: said the, the screen is in, in the ground,
1: it pops up. Yes, they, kind of, they build a frame with the screen and then it's flat during the day and then it is lifted up in the evening so that the movies can be shown on it. Did I say kids? Actually everybody goes to see the movie. So, so,
0: so what is this green stretch of green grass?
1: This green strip uh, runs like a velvet ribbon all through the, uh, with the river Elbe. It is uh, primarily to take in the flood waters because the Elbe is flown to prod- flooding but it's also been left for people to enjoy it. You know, as you go down the river, you see people having picnics there, grilling, playing, uh, flying kites. And there's also a cycle route that connects uh, Prague to Hamburg.
0: Um, Also, we're gonna get to the famous bridge that uh, we referred to earlier because the Ferris wheel should have taken away all the honor of the city, but this is what actually did it.
1: Uh Yes, this bridge, it's such, it's, such a, uh, it's such a simple little thing. But according to UNESCO, when uh, Dresden wanted to build the bridge, uh, UNESCO claimed it hadn't been told, and if they build the bridge, they'll take away the title. Uh, Dresden argued, saying they had plans for it already, uh, already 100 years ago, but UNESCO basically said, no, it will not uh, go. It will not, it will not fit into our plans. So Dresden had a choice. They could build the bridge, or they could have the title. And so they, they had just, to
0: think about, do we need, we need another way across the river? Because you also have ferries.
1: Yes, they have ferries, but you know you can't take a car. Imagine going to work on and waiting for the ferry to come and uh, you know park your car. It was very inefficient. And Dresden is growing. It's kind of finally emerging from all of these years of not having any infrastructural work done to it. So this was very necessary. And so the bridge it is. So,
0: so they gave up the title, and they get to still say, "But we had it at one time.
1: Yeah, we had it. You know, we are the only the second place to ever be delisted." thrown off the list there's one more now after us but Who that it's got be. the list uh, uh, recently Bristol mm. Oman was the first one yes So this area was used by the Stasi which is basically the secret uh, service of in the East German times where uh, they had their role their, their role was to spy on people and make sure no one was plotting against them and this was the area where they had their interrogation centers and their prisons mm-hmm.
0: So this area is very uh, fertile for wine and uh, individual families will sometimes have their own um, vineyard, vineyard, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, the slopes of the River Elbe are also beautiful because of the vineyards and these are all uh, small vintners. They they have their own little vineyard, they make their uh, wine, they serve them on the terraces sometimes. Um, and there are, uh, there's so much wine made, it's 850 years of history, wine history in Dresden, in Saxony, but you've never heard of Saxon wine because they drink it all of themselves. (laughs) It
0: happens in a lot of places where we, the great wines just never leave the premises. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So
0: now we came up to an area where there were three castles next to each other. Uh, And and some ironies about the last two. Let's go over that.
1: Yes. There are three castles. The first one was made for a Prussian prince who had to be exiled because he married for love and uh, then decided to settle down in Dresden. The second castle was made by his chancellor who first made his own castle. The prince lived in it and then his castle was made. And that was bought up by a millionaire who made his millions putting... Mouthwash in a bottle. It was called Odol, and the irony of it is that the next castle, that is, you know, the one that looks like a Tudor castle, was bought up by a family that made its millions putting toothpaste in a tube.
0: <laughs> so that, that's quite a coincidence.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, it is. It is great that uh, we should have toothpaste and uh, mouthwash on the same shelf.
0: So the first building should have been bought by someone who uh, did like stomach medicine, like a like uh, bicarbonate but that didn't happen i made that up all right so um there's another bridge that uh came up that's a blue color
1: it's called the Blue Wonder Bridge. And it is uh, called Blue because it's, I mean, it's a Blue Wonder because it's blue in color. And it's a wonder because when it was made, it was a cantilevered bridge. And so it's a stiffened suspension with no piers in the middle, no, no support in the middle. And the people have dressed and looked at it and said, This is going to fall down. There's no support on this bridge. And it's a wonder it's standing. And then the, they refused to use it until they were told uh, the army is going to wa- march across it. And if the army doesn't fall into the water, you're going to use it. And they did, and now they had to pay tax to use it.
0: <laughs> All right, so then we saw... Um, an observatory
1: yes uh, that's uh, that belongs to the scientist von Arden, who was a sci- who was a scientist based in Dresden, very famous, made the tube uh, that was uh, that was used for the television black and white television tube, also came up with an oxygen uh, therapy for cancer and has an observatory here uh, which is open to the public as well to use
0: so the, after we went under the bridge, we saw this.
1: Yes, so Dresden has a funicular and it has a suspended cable car and it is the oldest suspended cable car in Europe and the second oldest funicular in Europe. It was made to encourage people to buy houses on the top of this hill uh, because nobody wanted to go, go up there and the funicular made it possible for them and they did buy houses and they made some gorgeous houses there. You'll see as you go along the river you'll see this beautiful architecture on the river.
0: Um, a word about the, sh- the boat that we're on right now. It's a, it's a steamboat. It has a paddle wheel, and it lets you look inside and see the uh, engine working.
1: Yes, you can see the paddle of the old paddle boat and the steam engine and these boats, this is Dresden's white fleet and these boats go back to the 19th century. The oldest boat on the river is I think from 1879 and the one that uh, we are on right now is from 1929. So this is the largest steamboat fleet in the world now, oldest.
0: Speaking about that, we saw the boatyard.
1: So this is the shipyard. Uh, This is where the boats have been made from the 19th century, and uh, they're still being made here. And uh, so many of the ones made there, even before the turn of the century, are still in use.
0: So then we reached our destination, which is uh, uh, August the Strong's uh, weekend getaway.
1: Yes, it's his pleasure palace and he had these palaces like pearls along the river, uh, like a necklace along the river and this one was used for games and you can see when you go inside you see there are hedges for hide and seek, there are places for giant swings uh, to play a kind of a golf Um, and it was made, it was basically made for indoor and outdoor games.
0: So it's Pilnitz, and it had a lot of uh, uh, oriental Asian inspired uh, architecture.
1: So the castle is called Pillnitz Castle named after the village Pilnitz, and it was inspired by the, the Chinese-based uh, architecture that Louis XIV had made in Versailles. And so once Louis XIV had a chinoiserie, everybody wanted one, and so Augustus Strong also made one. He also had orange trees here, just like Louis XIV. But then he wanted to go one step further, so he said it's not Chinese, because Chinese are overdone um, now term. It's Indian. because there's nothing Indian about it, of course.
0: It's beautiful, and and on one side it's very, uh, I think you said Baroque because it was perfect, and then they were inspired by the English gardens that are wild, so he has both.
1: Yes, so in the middle of the palaces, in the area between the palaces, you have the very strict Baroque symmetry, but then on the other hand, it's outside of that, you have the English garden, which is spontaneous, free-flowing and surprising.
0: He also loved uh, Venice and the um, gondolas, so he had his own.
1: He was in love with the Grand Canal and he wanted to have gondolas go up and down the river Elbe and the poor um, boatmen had to row their arms off getting people there. And uh, yes, there's still a gondola in Pilnitz garden.
0: There's some interesting architecture, like a, a, a very round building. What tells us that?
1: This is a copy of or uh, based on Bramante's Tempietto in Rome, which was such a groundbreaking uh, new kind of architecture at that time. It's a building hardly ever, anyone ever visits in Rome, but it's worth seeing. And you might recognize uh, some of the modern uh, buildings, uh, administrative buildings in the U.S. based on this kind of architecture.
0: So we also grew oranges.
1: He, yes, he grew oranges because uh, to have an orangery was a sign of great wealth.
0: Uncovered was a, um, a bunch of tapestries or is it wallpapers?
1: Uh, it's wallpapers. It's wallpaper and it, it shows you the boat races, the dragon boat races in China. And this used to cover uh, the entire wall of what was the coffee, uh, a coffee room uh, right up to the time of the Second World War.
0: Also had his own chapel.
1: Yes, there was a chapel uh, in the castle Pilnitz. It was a uh, it was a Catholic chapel, and he could, the Nazarenas, There was a uh, there was an artist from Nazarena style, and they used to paint directly on the walls of churches, uh, and they they used to use a lot of lapis lazuli. Sorry, they used to use a lot of precious stones uh, to make their paint to make the powder for their paint this is the marian circle cyclist it shows mary's story right after the extension to heaven
0: the three paintings does that yes on, on the ceiling
1: on the ceilings yeah shows her to become the queen of the heaven
0: we then took a tour of the entire route that food took from actually we went from the guests all the way we walked from the guest area down to the kitchen
1: Yes, so you would start from the kitchen, you'd carry this hot food up the stairs, uh, you'd have coal, you'd have a double tray with coal in between it so that the food is warm, then you'd have to quickly stop, uh, throw the coal down a pit, uh, take the rest of the tray to the next station, garnish it, and then carry it quickly into the dining room before it gets cold.
0: Also, we saw an early refrigerator,
1: Yes. freezer. Yes, the ice boxes, actually. You put the ice into one and the food remains cold on the other side.
0: Actually, it's really worth doing. Uh, I think you should be telling your, uh, your, your clients about um, the whole Saxony area, which is why we're doing a series of uh, four videos on that. Uh, let's quickly tell them how they can get more information.
1: Yes, so you visit the website of Saxony Tourism uh, for the tourism board as well as Destin Tourism, and uh, we can give the links in the, in the description as yeah. well. And then uh, you, you know, it's very simple to get, get to them, they respond quickly. And come here, we're all waiting for you.
0: So we just finished in time, we're about to dock. Seema, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Alan. It was a pleasure.
0: And this is Alan Fine for Insider Travel Report.